Hey, it's Adam Bly, the marketing guy here at Rubino and Lang Wealth Partners. There's a lot going on in the news these days, and maybe because it's my job now, but I've noticed how often the market is covered in every medium. Yahoo News says, here's what the market is saying about rising coronavirus cases. Forbes magazine recently posted, will the market crash now that the Fed has stopped pumping the stock market? And then the New York Times said, despite recession, the market turns positive on the year. Oh, wait, wait, wait. The market is positive on the year? How did I miss this? Turns out one type of market is currently positive on the year. So why are there different markets discussed in the news and how do they pertain to people's actual retirement accounts? And what does it mean for me today if I'm in cash, I lost my portfolio alone, or if I went to a more conservative mix in my portfolio? That's what Ryan and I discuss on this episode of After the Paycheck. We cover what are different types of markets the financial industry professionals refer to for economic and financial growth like the S&P 500, NASDAQ, Dow Jones, etc., how these markets may or may not have an effect on your specific retirement accounts, and why understanding this information will help you in your retirement planning journey. So enjoy this episode, and as always, if you have any questions, head over to afterthepaycheck.com and let us know. Enjoy! Welcome to After the Paycheck, the series dedicated to helping people to and through their retirement process. I'm your host, Adam Bly. This week, I am here with Ryan Marston. Pleasure to be back here. Right, are you looking good with the longer hair? Are you letting it grow out a little I, bit? Yeah, a little, a little new style over the over, style. over the last few months. I, yeah. It was really long, and then I got a haircut and kind of changed it up a bit. I had to go the other <laughs> extreme. I, uh, I had my wife was trying to help me buzz my hair, and we kind of went skin to skin with a little mishap, and now I've got the, uh, the, the riffle going. You're a courageous man. I was not ready to let my wife do that. <laughs> I, my hair was getting so out of control. I was like, ah, I got I to gotta do something. And uh, yeah, I paid for it. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are here in the office uh, at Rubino and Langwald Partners in Newton, Massachusetts. And we were discussing, and it's just you and me in the office today uh, recording this episode. And we're still making sure that we're keeping socially distant and doing yep. a responsible thing here. And we had been talking before we came in to record this about how I'm watching the news at home, and there's I see financial experts and economic experts saying one thing, another thing. Uh, I'm looking at one channel, and they're saying that the market is now up for the year. Things are looking great. You know, we've already we've already recovered. Uh, other channels are saying that like, okay, you know, the this S and P is is getting there, but it's not quite there. And then I look flip back to the other channel, and they're saying that everything's positive. And I said, to you, I go, I don't get it. Like, why are people saying different things? And you. Were informed me that yeah. there's different markets. There is. There is. I think a lot of times when people go home, they turn on the news, whatever channel it may be, you hear what the Dow Jones did for the day, what the NASDAQ did for the day, what the S&P 500 did for the day. And those are all very different types of indexes. There's mm-hmm. some There's certain some overlap, but they're very different in how they're calculated and what their actually makeup is that have allowed, you know, the NASDAQ hit is all of a sudden hitting new highs, like for like historically new highs, not just like on the year, right? right? And you're wondering how it's how it's going on and what's happening within inside that index. Maybe it's not relating to your own retirement accounts or what's going on with the economy, right? Or the economic right. indicators. But um, yeah, it's a little bit misconstrued, or you, people just don't understand how they're made up. That's what it comes down to. As right. someone like me who is not as financially savvy as the average investor, you know, I, yeah. you know, I can't, can't imagine I've been working one industry my whole life and then it's time to retire. I should understand all this right away. Yep. So 
I thought this would be a great episode to kind of understand what those different mar yeah. markets are, what they're comprised of, um, and how they may or may not have an effect on your specific retirement accounts. And then really, why understanding this information can help me on my retirement planning journey. So again, like I, you were just talking about the different markets, NASDAQ, S&P, Dow Jones. What are they and why do they have different numbers every day? Yeah, I, I think it's really crucial right now to kind of have some sort of understanding on how those are made up, what it means, yeah. um, you know, for two reasons. So you can see how it relates to your, your maybe portfolio because yeah. um, there might be, you know, you see what's going on in the news and it's not relating to your portfolio. Um, you should understand why before you go forward and making any potential changes, right? Because right? you don't want to jeopardize, you know, future potential gains either. Um, right. Just because you might have lacked on what's happened or lagged the overall markets in the last few months, right? Um, and I think it's the case with most people, which we'll we'll kind of get into a little bit. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So let's let's actually get into sure. it. So let's go into the different types of markets that there are. Yeah. So like the three main ones, what was what we talked about is the Nas. Well, like S and P five hundred. Okay. Um, I think is probably the most widely used, common used, commonly used one. Um, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and then the Nasdaq. Nasdaq one hundred. We'll talk about. Um, but the S and P five hundred is an index made up simply of the five hundred largest um, market cap cap companies. Okay. Right. So of the five hundred companies. It's not evenly, you know, each company owns the same percentage share of the S&P 500, right? Uh, and, and there is 11 sectors, okay. different sectors of the S&P 500, uh, you know, tech, utilities, et cetera, things, uh, and, uh, you know, nine others. But the top five percentage weight uh, or stocks of the S&P 500 actually account for about 27% of the index right now, 27%. Wow. So the other, you know, what, 495 account for, you know, 73%. So five stocks account for 27%. Back in February, those five stocks actually only accounted for 20%. And I'll, we'll talk about those individual stocks and, and going right down in a row, it's, you know, it's Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and then Google or Alphabet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are the top five, right? And all five of those companies are positive on the year. So when they own 20% exposure of, of, that, of that index, of that 500 company index back in February, and they've just continued to really skyrocket, the worst return on it, I think any of them right now is... Um, it's actually Google, right, at eight percent on the year. <laughs> Apple's That's the worst return. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Apple's, uh, Amazon's up forty-five percent year to date. Wow. So when the third largest company on that index, with a pretty high percentage exposure, is up forty-five percent on the on the year, it has a bigger effect on that actual index, right? Gotcha. Okay. So, of those twenty-seven percent, twenty-seven percent of that index is up pretty significant numbers, which kind of misleads to what the other 495 stocks in the index are potentially right, right. doing, right? Because it, it offsets them by a greater amount. And kind of getting into the sectors a little bit, you know, there's 11 broad sectors. Energy, energy's the real laggard, financials, etc. Of those 11, only three are positive on the year. And the, a tech, tech is up 12%. So. Wow. 
when you see things are, you know, we're almost back at even or things are going well, well, that's not necessarily the case across the board. Right. Tech has the highest weight on a lot of these indexes, and tech has done very well, which has led the charge in the recovery. Yeah. I think you just, when you were talking about the individual stocks and like how like the, these big players that have such an influence over what the, the rest of that S&P 500 do. index yeah. does, and how that actually comes into play, you're going macro, this whole big thing, and then you go into individual stocks. And then I think about my personal you know, portfolio and how it's balanced. And yeah. I might not actually have any of those stocks in my portfolio, no. which means that I could actually be still way down on the year, yeah. even though the market has done exactly, rebound. Exactly, exactly. So, quote unquote rebound. Yeah, so if you have, you know, mutual funds, right? Right. Um, and then talking about large cap and even the S&P 500, there's really two types of stocks. Okay. There's a value stock and a growth stock. The tech stocks are the growth stocks. That's what's, again, led the charge, up double digits on the year. Yeah. The value companies... Um, are, are still down double digits on the year. Okay. So you might have a large large cap value fund. A lot of these mutual fund companies have them, or a large cap growth fund that's actually up. Okay. So depending on what your exposure is into each of the sectors, it really determines like what your your return is on the year right now. So that okay. might be a, a big reason on why you're lagging. And then there's a lot of carryover from index to index. Okay. Right. So getting into the NASDAQ or the NASDAQ 100, the top 100 stocks um, of the NASDAQ, the top five stocks, which are the same exact the same ones, five right? stocks <laughs> in the S&P 500, uh, a, a slight change in, in, in the order, but those account for 47% of the index. Gee, well, it's like I, you just took 500 companies and now you just reduced it to 100, but those same five the, players are in that, that the index The same now. five in, in that 100, and it's you know mostly a tech index, it's... They account for 47%. When you have Jeez. returns like we've seen in the year, that's how the NASDAQ 100 is hitting new highs. Okay. But not many people in their portfolios at home are going to have that exposure to those individual stocks. And that's why any truly diversified you know, portfolio at home is, is probably lagging what you see gotcha. on the TV when you turn it on at night. Okay. Yeah. So when I'm, like you said, uh, I'm looking at my account and I'm like, wow, I'm still down 4% on the year and I'm looking at the NASDAQ and it's up whatever right yeah. now and I'm like, geez, like I'm getting ready to fire somebody, you know, or talk yeah. to somebody else because I'm upset that I'm not doing the same as these. these down 4% is not that bad though. <laughs> Comparatively, yeah, for everything going on, yeah. yeah. But uh, I forget where I was going with that. But it kind of, it goes back to the, I think you can make stats work any way that you want. I mean, you can. And I think that that's, and this isn't like the whole like, hey, we're going to like hawk on the media kind of a thing. No, but no. It's, it's interesting that people will just blindly say like, oh, the, the, they look at the whatever that you know, news channel is and they say, oh, it looks like the NASDAQ is up for the year. So I must be doing well. I must be ready to retire and I'm back to normal and all these things. When if you actually look at your account and take a, take a kind of a screenshot of this versus what you saw on that, that screen today, Exactly. There's going to be differences. Exactly. And, and like, I think the point you want to get, or I'm trying to get across is you don't all, if you're lagging what you see on the news at night, you don't want to make extreme changes right now, right? right? And all of a sudden move into these large cap growth companies because the ones that are lagging eventually, you know, should pick up. And, you know, historically speaking, small cap companies have really led the charge out of a recession, not large cap growth like we've seen. Okay. Small cap companies are still down mid-teens, you know, 15% or so. So those are still lagging, which there is opportunity when the recovery 
comes for these small cap companies, these mid cap companies and large value companies. So you're talking about small, mid, and large cap. Yep. What defines a small, a mid, and a large cap? It's market capitalization of of their, you know, the stock and how much equity is really out there okay. um, across the board. But ultimately, it's a small company. It's small. It's a yeah, smaller small. company. And then mid, not to get too technical. Then there's mid caps, and then there's large caps, which are the ones that we these these giant these companies. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Okay. okay. So. Um, so it's when, like you said, so when the small companies typically are the ones that are kind of leading the recovery, they're the ones that are lagging behind right now. Exactly. And your portfolio might have them in there, but it doesn't mean that you should have a knee-jerk reaction and say, I want to put all of my money in Amazon because it's up 45% of the year because... You probably missed the boat on that. I mean, there's nothing to say it's not going to continue, but just because something is up 45% on the year doesn't mean it's going to be up 45% on the rest of the year right, going right. forward, right? Yeah. So in the, the, the value might not be there going forward. You might you might have missed that opportunity. Right. So you want to just make sure you still stay diversified. I think that's the number one thing. You want to make sure you stay, stay diversified okay. um, because everything eventually will kept, catch up. You know, the other asset classes will catch up when the economy does recover, and hopefully sooner than later. So when we talk about people saying if the economy is going to recover or when the economy is going to recover, what are some of the indicators that they're looking at? And what are some things that might have triggered people to kind of get out of the market or go to a more conservative uh, portfolio you know, now and kind of miss this upswing from I everything think, we're seeing the, now? There's a, I, in my opinion, there's, you know, there's a big disconnect between what's going on in the market and the economic indicators right now. And that's why a lot of portfolios rebalanced to more conservative natures back in March. Um, you know, jobs, unemployment rates, um, er, companies' earnings, etc. But the market's very forward-thinking, and that's part of it. Um, you know, they are project, it, it is projecting a return to GDP, you know, somewhat in the fourth quarter. But, um it's not necessarily listening to what's going on with these economic indicators right now. And then the Fed, the federal government has, in their stimulus packages have, has infused a lot of money into these markets, which has not been something they've done historically speaking. You know, the bond purchasing agreements, whether it's, it's been high yield, corporate, treasuries, and that has really put a lot of money into the market that has helped um, really start this recovery process. Okay. This potential long-term effects. If it, you know, if there's too much money put into the economy, then you know the dollar could that was suffer. Be my, my next question, but yeah. um, it has helped things a lot through the last few months um, in terms of this recovery that we have seen. Yeah. Okay. So thinking of indicators and everything going on right now, uh, is there anything that I could be reading or seeing that could help me right now with my uh, accounts in my portfolio. If I'm if I'm I kind of trying to DIY it, is there anything that like, oh, if this is happening, this is usually like a, a, a precursor to something catastrophic, you know, catastrophic, or hey, this could be really great if these things happen. And has there been a history of things where those indicators are end up not being true? There are. I mean, a lot again, getting back to the Fed and the indicator. I think the indicators, a lot of them pointed negatively, you know, yeah. in April. Um, but the Fed came in with these packages and, and propped up the market. Right. Um, hopefully, things continue. In you know, we don't have a, re, a relapse of what's going on, which is you know the concern right now. Um, but I think the Fed is willing to go to any means, and it's tough to price that in um, to gotcha. becoming too conservative. So, I mean, I, I, I like to remain ca- optimistic, but cautiously optimistic right, going right. forward, right? Because okay. there is a lot of red flags out there that you got to be aware of. Okay. Um, and 
I think just making sure we're in a volatile time, volatile market right now, making sure you stick to your original game plan, right? Mm -hmm. that, that is more crucial now than ever, you're, now than ever in your asset allocation. So when we see these big swings with individual asset classes like we've gone into, like lar large cap growth has seen a significant rise, right. but large cap value is down 10%. You want to make sure you're rebalancing because those original allocations you had can get really out of whack. Okay. Um, and, you know, if large cap value is dropping, you know, 10%, but large cap growth is gaining, well, large cap growth, just like the S&P 500 has taken over a bigger portion of your okay, portfolio, okay. right? And it's not to say that continued growth is going to go forward. So you want to always have, remain with your original asset allocation model okay. um, and make sure you're rebalancing. So if, and like, we're two guys in our mid thirties that yeah. are having this conversation yep. and, you know, we're thinking, oh, in a few years, if I'm within five years of retirement and I've come up or I've spoken with you know an advisor and I have an actual retirement plan laid out in front of me. How often should I be communicating with them or how often should they be communicating with me about rebalancing or letting me know about what my asset allocation is or if I should be, um, I don't want to say nervous, but if I should be aware of some changes that are happening that I should be kind of either making moves on or my advisor will tell me that I should or shouldn't do this. Yeah. In years like this, I'd say probably frequently, um, if there is an a change being made to your portfolio, the advisor should be reaching out. If there's something you don't understand within your portfolio, you should reach out to them. Okay. Um, and I think, again, in a volatile market like this, things seem to be changing on a daily or even weekly basis, not yeah. even monthly. Like on a, in a normal year, and things <laughs> are just trending up. You know, last year was a good year. Right. It's maybe not as important to reach out as frequently. Certainly want to have a yearly review, mm -hmm. maybe semi-annual. Um, but in times like this, when we're seeing significant you know, swings, it's important to stay in contact and know what your portfolio is doing so you have a true understanding when you turn on the news at night and say, oh, this is what the S&P 500 did. Right. Yeah. Is there a point where I'm kind of overdoing it if I'm just like watching the stock market every day? If I still have five years to go before I retire, is that... Like you might drive yourself crazy this yeah. year, okay. a little bit. Because, I, again, I do... I do think there's going to be continued volatility for a while, um, in, not necessarily in a, in a negative fashion, but it's just going to be a very volatile market until things are settled, and that could be a year from now. That's a term that I've heard is called the market might get tested. What does that mean? Like, oh, we might test the market, or the market might be tested before we see an actual recovery. Um, there's different resistance levels, like within the S&P 500 or the uh, Dow Jones, when it hits certain levels, you know, testing it would be... A negative, a negative outcome of that test would be a pullback when you hit that level. If okay. you break through it, it's, a, it's usually a positive sign and it continues. Um, so sometimes when you hit these resistance levels and you, and you actually go through it, uh, you actually want to remain either invested or, or get back invested when, when, when that happens. Okay. Uh, yeah. So kind of coming back to it all, we just discussed the different types of indexes yeah. that, yeah. that you know, the media covers and that people are always referencing when they're talking about the market. Yeah. There's actually multiple markets. Yeah, but those are the... 95% of the time, those are the big three that gotcha. yeah, they're talking about. And you, depending on how your portfolio is made up, you might be in some of them. You might might be out of them entirely, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. that's, a, that's a possibility, right? I could not be involved in any of the companies that are comprised of any of these markets, right? I'd have to be a really weird index I'd be in. Yeah, I, guess, I mean, those but. are all, I mean, that would mean you're not, if you're invested in equities, right? Okay. And you're not in those, that means you're not in large caps. Okay. And 
historically speaking, and over the past six years, that's it was the best performing asset classes. So if you're not in that, you're probably not doing too well right now. Okay. Um, it means you're in small cap, mid caps, international. And those are going to make your portfolio extremely volatile. But I'd say that very, if you're invested in equities, that's very rare if you're not in, in, in some sort of exposure to one of, you know, a couple, some of the companies. Something, yeah, something yeah, in yeah, there, yeah. right. Whether it's, again, individual stocks, ETFs, right. or mutual funds. Yeah. What are, what are ETFs? Exchange-traded funds. So it's ways of having, it's cheaper. First of all, an exchange-traded fund is a lower cost, generally speaking, than what a mutual fund is. Um, okay. And it's ways of investing in these broad indexes. Like you can buy an S&P 500 ETF. Uh, a, lot of, a few companies have them. Okay. Um, and you get S&P-like returns. Okay. With that exchange traded fund, and you know the the expense ratios are generally speaking lower than what a mutual fund is. Okay. Where a mutual fund, that mutual fund manager is buying and selling these individual stocks a lot of the times, right? Um, and they're managing differently, not necessarily have to have the S and P five hundred. So if you and then getting more specific, you can buy an ETF that invests in just the financials within the S and P five hundred, or just the tech within the S and P five hundred. So you can move from like uh, sector to sector. Or S and P five hundred value S and P growth. So there's thousands of different ones. Yeah. Um, the cost is lower, and in good times, the performance is usually pretty high. Um, okay. Yeah, and in, when you do that, you remove single stock exposure and that company potentially going under. So there. So okay. So that's a plus side. Yeah. What are, is there a negative to an ETF? Um, maybe over diversification. Um, you know, there's going to be your if you buy an S&P 500 ETF you own everything in the S&P 500 so you can't remove it or you buy a Dow Jones we didn't get too much into that but Dow Jones is is comprised of you know it's the 30 largest companies um, okay uh, 30 companies excuse me um, by price share they they go they they do it differently than the S&P does so it's by pri- by price okay. and you know of that 30 and the Dow Jones is down still 8%, right, you know, as of now on the year. Um, but Boeing is in there. You know, when okay. you buy a Dow Jones ETF, you get a okay. share. You, you're owning a piece of basically Boeing. And Boeing's down 45% year to date. And that's why, in, you know, ExxonMobil is in, is in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Dow Chemical is in the Dow Jones uh, industrial average right now. And those companies are all down upwards of 25% on the year. So okay. the downside is maybe over diversification, um, but diversification will truly, you know, reduce the volatility of your portfolio. Okay. Yeah. So it should. It, it should. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this is. I know that we kind of got really technical right there. You and did. It, yeah. It gets yeah, a little yeah. overwhelming. It does. Like, it again, does. And, and trying to think of myself as someone who is again getting ready to retire in five years, maybe ten years, and I'm trying to think of all of these things. At what point do I look at my retirement portfolio and I say, you know what? I've been contributing to, to in this for, for years or whatever. My 401k company has been taking care of all of this. And it's just, I'm in a target date fund, right? We did an episode on that and what target date funds mm-hmm. are. And it's automatically balancing this, that, that. At what point would it behoove me to actually sit down with an independent person and say, hey, I just want to make sure that I, my, my portfolio is balancing the right way? Yeah, I think as you're as you're getting you know closer to retirement, you know within ten years, 
five years of retirement, it's really important to just not own a basket of funds, because especially especially if you don't understand how they work or right. how they're investing. Because um, in markets like this, it can really set you back um, if you're not investing appropriately to your age and where you are in your retirement horizon. Um, so again, sitting down with someone, you don't necessarily have to if you're not, you don't want to know all the technical side of it. You got to make sure you're sitting down with someone who does know the technical side of it and knows how the portfolios are working, right. knows how to invest your money. But I think just investing in a target fund because you know you think it might be cheaper, or there's there is some risk there as you're going into retirement. That even though you're in a, if you're retiring next or this year, say, and you're in a 2020 tar- target fund, it's not necessarily going to give you the performance or the safety you need as you're getting closer to retirement. Gotcha. Right? It's still going to have those losses like any bad stocks or bad funds or bad ETFs potentially. And that's why it's important to sit down with somebody that understands that technical aspect and actually understands your situation too because I think like we talked about in that that target date um, funds episode is, you know, I might say that I'm going to retire in 2020, but I had lost my job for two years, you know, you know, for a few years before that and all of a sudden, I need an extra thirty grand in my retirement accounts before I'm actually at a point where I could comfortably retire. But because I'm set at a twenty twenty target fund date, it doesn't really yeah. think that I need that money. It's just thinking like, oh, because you're this age and this close to retirement, we automatically put you in these portfolios. Yeah, I think again, it's, it's, it's an investment. As you, you know, you're younger, it's not a bad thing. If right. you're using a target fund as your retirement advisor, so to speak, right? Yeah, it's probably not a good idea because you're you're lumped into this fund with thousands of other people. Right. right. That fund doesn't know what you have for outside income sources that fund doesn't know what you have for expenses that right. or what you want to where you want to go on vacation what you want to <laughs> leave to grant so if you're using the target day fund again as an ad, quote unquote like your retirement advisor you could run into some trouble right so, yeah you're just a number no you're, you're exactly yeah. exactly okay yeah good to know yeah. um because this was a bit of a technical episode if people had questions and they submitted them on after the paycheck, would you mind if I forward them to you? Absolutely not. I'm going to have no idea how to answer any <laughs> That's of what I'm here for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not. So we'll do that. So yeah. uh, if you have any questions and you want to send them, or if you want to actually just uh, book a, a time to speak with Ryan, uh, you can either head to 365retirement.com and do that, or just fill out the form on afterthepaycheck.com, and we'll get you in touch with either uh, Ryan, John, or Sam to, to kind of sit down and discuss your situation yep. and see if it makes sense for you to uh, have a further discussion to talk about your individual situation if you're heading into retirement. Yep. I think that's, again, it's crucial. in years like this really hammer at home why. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. Ryan, thank you for taking the time. I know this is a very technical episode, right. so thank you for breaking it all down for me. Hope I wasn't too confusing, but um, no, it was, it was pl- pleasure being here. Awesome. Thanks, yeah. Ryan. All right. Take care. John Conley and Ryan Marston are investment advisor representatives of Retirement Wealth Advisors, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. Rabino and Lang Wealth Partners, LLC, and Retirement Wealth Advisors are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Insurance and annuities offered through licensed professionals of RNL Insurance Agency, LLC, Mass Insurance License 1783398.